Hello and welcome to Getting Goosebumps, the weekly podcast exploring the business of storytelling, where I interview many of the world's greatest marketers and storytellers to share their insights and ideas of how to put emotion into marketing. Hello and welcome to Getting Goosebumps. I'm your host, Brian Adams, and this week I had the absolute pleasure of talking to SpinSucks.com's very own Jeannie Dietrich. Now, SpinSucks.com's definitely one of my favorite PR and marketing blogs out there, of which Jeannie is still the main contributing blogger. Jeannie's also the CEO and founder of a marketing communications firm, Armand Dietrich, based out of Chicago. She's a fabulous speaker and thought leader. She's the author of the book, Spin Sucks, Communication and Reputation Management in the Digital Age, and co-author of Marketing in the Round. So this week we talk about how PR and the value of PR has changed in the digital world, and how Jeannie is on a personal mission using her blogging to change how we think about PR and where it should fit into a marketing mix. We also talk about creating content based around current events and rather than just jumping on the bandwagon with content and topics, how to create a content strategy to make sure you're adding value, standing out and being authentic to your industry. Now Jeannie really is one of those marketing professionals we should all listen and learn from and she's a lot of fun as well so I highly recommend listening to the next 30 minutes. Give it a listen and let me know what you think. Well, hello and welcome to another show. This week, I am very pleased to be joined by Gina Dietrich. Hi, Jeannie. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here because anytime you write content for Spin Sucks, you and I tend to get into some trouble. So it's super fun. I'm very excited about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you know, I didn't know whether um, we'd jump straight in and, and, and talk about that. Um, <laughs> why not? <laughs> why, why not, indeed? Because, um, you know, a lot of times... Um, People talk about how to create engagement and, you know, get a reaction from your audience and create content that people like, but it's very rare people talk about how to deal with uh, engagement when when the reaction is not so great. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. Um, I think it's a little bit different for us on SpinSucks because I've spent such an inordinate amount of time um, cultivating that community Uh while we get negative comments and, you know, criticism and all that, it's usually pretty professional and respectful. Uh Um, You know, I can think of some other industry blogs that you go to and the comments aren't, you know, they are allowed to post anonymously and they're rude and disrespectful and all those kinds of things. So I think that it's a little bit different experience for us in general just because of the community that we've built. But yeah, there are certain things for sure that ruffle people's feathers. Mm, do, do you think that's a good thing? I mean, because obviously, um, when you put content out there that's got a little bit of an edge to it, it's almost like validation that there's a, a small percentage that, um, you know, don't entirely agree. I, you know, is that an indication that, that you're doing something right, do you think? I think it's an indication that you're doing something right. It also allows you to see different perspectives. And, and I had an instance maybe two weeks ago, where I had written a piece um, on how to measure PR, which was one of the topics near and dear to my heart. And one of the tweets I used, now of course this is 140 characters, but one of the tweets I had written to link to that uh, piece of contents made it sound like I believed that PR was a tactic. Uh And that's not the case at all, but 
I, I mean, on Twitter, I got flamed for it. And I was like, <laughs> that's not what I meant. And, you know, but it's interesting from that, from looking at that, when I re- reread the tweet, I could see how that perception was left. So I think it also gives you the opportunity to not just not only see different viewpoints, but also to understand how what your the words that you use can make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And so using that as an example, did I mean, did you follow up? Did you create more content around it? Did you add context? I mean, what's the sort of best practice there? Yeah, on Twitter, I just added context because um, it literally was just a tweet. I mean, it wasn't like anything. There wasn't anything in the content itself. It was just the tweet that left this person feeling like I was demeaning the the industry, which if anybody knows me, is not the case, but this is what he was left with. So I just I just added context. Okay, fair enough. Jeannie, I'm a big fan of, of your blog, as, as you know. Um, you've written a book, you blog relentlessly, you produce uh, a podcast too, right? Yeah, um, Inside PR, yep. Yeah, so first of all, you must be pretty organized, but how on earth do you fit all that in? And probably more important, more importantly, how do you make it all count? Because it's it's quite easy to produce lots and lots of content, but to gain traction such as you do, that's you know that's that's takes some skill and organisation, right? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I have a great team behind me for sure, and we have guest bloggers. Like you've been on the blog a couple of times. Yeah. Um. You know, we have a content director who manages the editorial calendar. We have somebody who goes and and uh, recruits guest bloggers. Uh, I have an assistant who keeps me on track. So it's, I would say today, it's very much the team behind me that keeps it all going. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I guess having a, a sort of well, well-organized team and everybody knows, you know, what we're focusing on and, and they're adding, adding values, it's really important. You know, and something I've, I've explored before with other guests is just how well you know your audience how and from your PR background as well I'm really interested in your insight and your approach how well do you know your audience did you set out to engage with a specific audience or have you almost sort of created it given the sort of personality and approach of of the content which which came first the I would say the content came first we didn't really know I mean the the real genesis for creating the blog in the beginning was to see if it was something we could figure out so we could sell it as a tactic to clients uh-huh. uh, you know this was before anybody this was 2006 before anybody was blogging yeah. uh, so that was the real genesis of it and all of a sudden along the way which shouldn't have surprised me but it did because I'm an I have an English degree but I discovered that I had a passion for it um, and so out of that came you know, a couple of books and the podcast and a video series. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things, speaking engagements, all those kinds of things that have come out of, you know, really driving toward a, a passion that I personally have for writing. Um, and then from that came the audience and the community. And we discovered that, you know, we, at first we tried to be all things to all people from a marketing perspective. And then we discovered we had a really unique way of looking at PR. So we, we drilled down even further into the PR industry. And if you had to sum up what that unique perspective is, how, how do you do that? How do you articulate that? Um, I would say it's, I've, I probably have, have best articulated it when Spin Sucks the Book came out a couple of years ago, and that was around the peso model. So paid, earned, shared, and owned media, mm-hmm. and how to integrate all four of those media types instead of just doing media relations or just doing social media or just developing content. How do you, how do you integrate the four media types uh, to build 
that leadership and authority and awareness and all the things that PR does, but also to generate leads and convert them to customers. Yeah, and I think I think something you've done successfully, Jeannie, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is um, and and also I, I don't know whether this is the case in the US, but definitely in the UK. PR agencies maybe five years ago didn't quite know their place in terms of where they fitted in to digital um, mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. an SEO point of view mm-hmm. or social media point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's something that you've used as a real strength. Where you know there's definitely PR industry in the UK years ago almost floundered for for a while. Where you know you've used that gap to to accelerate, right? You know what what are the most um, sort of powerful aspects of, of PR are, are you bringing to this integrated digital marketing uh, arena? How, how, would you, how would you describe that? Because, you know, a, a lot of PR agencies just flat got it wrong, you know, that I've seen. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. And in the U.S. too, I would agree with that. Um, and I think that the in the U.S. as well, the industry is still floundering in, from some perspectives. There, there are definitely agencies and professionals who get it and who are evolving and moving forward. But there are some, I can name some of the largest PR firms who have added digital on as an add-on, but they don't integrate with the rest of the firm. So We might get ourselves say, into trouble here, Jeannie, if we, go down there, if, if we start naming I know, this. I know. <laughs> I think I'm pretty, yeah. yeah. Pretty vocal, anyway. Because <laughs> um, I'd like to see it change. I would yeah. like to see. You know, I really believe that our industry is has the ability to combine both the art and the science. Mm-hmm. And when you combine both of those things, you become an investment instead of an expense. And I think for so long we've been an expense. And if you're an expense, of course, you know if the economy tanks or budgets need to be cut, you're one of the first things that goes, and you can't control that. So. I've always looked at it as how do we prove that you that a business can't live without us so that when it comes time to cut budgets or the economy does tank and things have to go sideways, how do you maintain a relationship with a client so that you can continue to help them grow? Hmm. Yeah, but I think, I think something that um, PR professionals uh, bring to the party is the fact that they've been so the king and queens of um, of personal relationships and um, working with the media and influencers and influential brands really well is is that is that part of it as well? Because it's not. I mean, I want to dig into how you produce relentlessly um, a, a relentless stream of, of great content, but it it's not the full picture, is it? You know, it's you've got to, you've got to put it out there. You've got to seed mm-hmm. it, use your network. You've got to build yep. a community. Yep. So, yep. you know, what's what's your approach there, and and just how how much importance would you would you put on on those aspects? I would say it's. I mean, it's it's very important. If you had to look at it, you know, if I looked at the peso model, I would probably weight owned and earned uh, media at the at the top, and then I'd uh, put social and shared under underneath there because for distribution and building relationships, and then paid you know for amplification and those kinds of things. So. Um, I would say it's extremely important, and you know, one of the the top two. For sure. Um, I also think that as communicators, we know how to write. We know how to write in a way that a, uh, a reader or a consumer would like to, to get that information. Um, we think like journalists. Some of us are former journalists. So it, we have that unique ability as well. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that journalistic background um, is a huge strength, isn't it? Because um, for, to produce that amount, the amount of content that, that you guys do and to maintain that level of quality, that's not to be underestimated at all. You know, what what's your secret there? How do you how do you stay? Um, I don't even know whether it's inspired or you know have you got a process how, how do you constantly produce out such a high quality of, of content <laughs> well thank you because <laughs> sometimes I don't feel like it's so high quality so no it is like, you know oh and, my and, gosh. and the audience tells you every day that the level of engagement on your blog is is phenomenal I think I think it's a, a really a really powerful hub of, of great content you know I think that's undeniable so so come on spill you know how, how do you do it <laughs> um you know I think it's a couple of things um for me, it really is a passion project. And so even when I'm exhausted or don't, you know, feel like it, it's it's one of those things that I sort of just have to get out of my system. I read a ton. So, you know, reading or hanging out with friends and talking about work always um, creates blog post ideas for sure. Um, but then I have, a, you know, I mean, I this it may sound trite, but I really do have a great team behind me who says, okay, let's talk about, like, this month we're doing the 12 days of Christmas. So what should we include in the 12 days of Christmas that isn't just fun but is also valuable to the audience? Can we support other PR professionals? Can we support up-and-comers? What kinds of tools should we give them to help them kickstart their new year? So even though we're, you know, looking at it from a sort of a month of fun for December, it's we're also trying to provide value. And the vision of the blog is to change the perception that people have of the PR industry. So everything we do goes to helping the industry and professionals do things better and differently so that people stop seeing us as spin doctors and liars and more as strategic partners. <laughs> How do you think that's going? <laughs> well. um, it's an uphill battle. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it may not happen in my lifetime, but I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. So, how do you validate those ideas and and decide what tools um, and and content and resources that um, that you, your audience are going to find interesting? How do you go about? It? Do you just ask them? Do you research? Do you poll them, or just test? Yes, to all of those. Um, you know, we test tons and tons of tools from from that perspective and so you know some things we love and some things we don't um the things we don't love we just don't talk about you know i'm not going to write a scathing review on on the blog about stuff i don't like but the stuff we love i will write about um we did a a really big reader survey in may which validated um some of our thinking but also gave us some additional really good ideas so I keep every time I need some content ideas or we need to fill out the editorial calendar I go back to that survey because there's I would say we had 800 or so people uh, fill that out for us and it was you know it was an in-depth survey it wasn't just fill in the blank or uh, multiple choice it was an in-depth you know what kinds of things would you like to see use your brain kinds of, of survey and so I go back to that a lot. Yeah. Um, but, you know, over the years, I've sort of figured out what the audience, what the community wants. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess from that level of engagement every day, you will get a feel for what, what your community yeah. responds to, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which is a, a really good sort of indicator. But you, you curate a lot of content as well. Um, from a, a tone of voice and brand point of view, how, how do you assess content that's, that's coming into you? 
You know, I we look at it a, a couple of different ways. Number one, does it help with the vision? Does it help promote the vision? Number two, is it something that we don't know about or haven't explored internally ourselves? Um, you know, do we find it interesting? And then, you know, there's bloggers like you and Zachary Evans, who's blogging today. And, you know, there's probably like 10 bloggers that I would say anything that comes from them, we will absolutely publish. So don't take that and do something crappy, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> Uh, fantastic fantastic i guess so it's is it it, so it's a more gut feel and just basing basing it on what you know of your your community yeah i'd say it's a gut feel i mean i'll i still review everything before it's published which isn't very scalable but i like to still have my hand on it so um if i open a i guess blog post and i'm like e i don't this doesn't feel right or it doesn't really fit then i i will just go back to our content team and say let's let's table this or have them, you know, revise this or something. Um, that happens maybe twice a month is all. So what, what type of content uh, does your audience respond well to? Is it, is it stories? Is it how to's or, you know, is it, do you, do you look for a healthy mix or is it literally just what, what comes at you and the ideas you come up with at the time? I would say it's pr- it's probably weighted more toward how tos. Um, the audience is very, very, very tactical. They want to know exactly how to do something. So if I, if I'm recommending a tool, how should it be used, and how can it be used from a PR professional standpoint? Um, but then there's stuff you know that we see in the news or you know late. Um, we're writing about Star Wars right now because it comes out in a couple of weeks and everybody's talking about it. So, you know, how do you relate that back to marketing? So, you know, there's stuff like that that we'll use from a pop culture standpoint, but I would say probably 60% is how-to stuff. Okay. So do you, so you look for trending stuff like like Star Wars. I think the whole universe is incredibly excited about, uh, about yes. Star Wars coming out. Yes. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like... Um, uh, back to the future day, isn't it? You know, I think it's it's a great idea. If you produce great content, it's a huge opportunity. But you can also get lost in the swathes of uh, Star Wars or Back to the Future content. So how, how do you – you've got to sit down. There's got to be an element of, of strategy there in terms of differentiating and making sure you're adding value. So any any tips that you can give us there? How do you approach that? Yeah, I mean, it, it really look at it from the perspective of does it fit your – brand so you know from a star wars perspective they disney's done a phenomenal job of marketing this movie and so how do we you know how do you relate those lessons back to you know there's stuff that when um, marissa meyer took over at yahoo she sent a a letter um that it was very clear the hr team and the legal team had looked at it but not the communications team (laughs) and so you know i I look at those kinds of things and say okay if we were working with Marissa and of course, you know, it's easy to, to quarterback from here. But if we, if I got this letter in my inbox from an executive or a client, here's how I would have written it so that it's, you know, more appealing to the person who, to the employee, the person who's going to be reading it. So that kind of stuff, I look for that kind of stuff too. So always, always taking that PR communications bent to everything that we do. Okay, cool. And from, from a storytelling point of view, 
how important is it to you know lay the facts out in in context and try and weave a story in there is that something that you you regularly do and is it something that your audience responds to well yes and yes um you know people love stories so if you can add a personal nugget if you can add you know i like to talk about especially when i talk about media relations you know when i started it was the big green bacon's books and you had to go Check it out. Check the book out of the library. You're, you're A through M, and you check it out, and then you'd go to the copier and you'd copy the pages you want, and then you go check the book back in, and then you'd go back to your desk and you'd start. You'd pick up the phone and you'd start calling reporters, and you'd write down on your pieces of paper that you copied from the book, you know, notes and what they said, and and then if you wanted to read what the reporter was writing about, you had to actually subscribe to the newsletter or to the newspaper, and then it had to come in the mail. So you know, this media relations process took six to nine months versus six to nine days. Mm. Um, so I try to weave in some of the, that kind of storytelling that relates to the topic. Yeah. I mean, if you can, if it's, if it's a personal experience, you know, you can really put that extra sort of percentage in, in into it and, and illustrate the point a little bit better. I think it's easy to capture someone's imagination if, if you do that as well, I, I, I guess, you know. Um, but, you know, you're just describing that process and it used to be really long-winded and all the rest of it. Do, do you think um, the learning experience is, is so much greater because it's almost like if you sit down to write a letter, it's probably going to be a better standard than an email that you'll fire out? You know, mm. that, how much, and this goes for you and, and your whole team, how much of that background and that training gives you a competitive advantage over all of the other blogs out there from a marketing point of view? Does that, is that relevant at all? I don't know. I've never considered that. <laughs> I love making people think on this show. <laughs> Which is your job. You should. It's awesome. I don't know. <laughs> Because, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, when it's entrenched in process, it really makes you think and, you, you know, you go through this. Just because there's an easier way of doing it, you, I think, you know, you, you learn and use the experience that you've got from, from the roots. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, if, um, I, I mean, I've, I've recently been looking at how Hollywood go about producing content. Um, I've listened to um, the Business of Story uh, podcast with Park Howell. And he's had loads of guests on that that talk about how a script will even get to the stage where they'll consider um, taking it to, um, you know, putting it in front of a producer and all the rest of it. The checks and balances the content's got to go through is unbelievable. Really? Yeah. It's like, you know, like a thousand scripts will be read before one is put forward for consideration. You know, I mean, maybe your blog aside... Gina, but you know, if the average, you know, if, if the if the content marketing world had to go through that, th- there wouldn't be any any blog posts going, going live from a lot of organisations. Right? No, certainly not. Yeah. <laughs> at all. Absolutely, you know, it's about. Yeah, I think that would be that wouldn't be such a bad thing. And with the with TV and entertainment combining with with marketing. Um, do you think there's a lot of bloggers out there that are really going to have to up the game and, and get a little bit more tactical, a little bit more strategic going forward? I do think so. And I also think that there has to be a stake in the ground. You know, there's so much content out there that's the same as everybody else's. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. It's the same old, same old. And there's no unique perspective. And it's, you know, they're copying one another and 
They may be linking to one another or quoting one another, which is fine, but there's no unique perspective on, on it. And so it's what Mark Schaefer describes as content shock. It's just like we're completely overwhelmed and nobody. there's so much crap out there that it's impossible to find the good stuff. And so eventually, I think it's going to start happening fairly soon. People are going to require better content. And if you don't provide it, then they're going to unsubscribe and not share and you know do all those things that you are dreading. It's going to happen. Hmm. I, I would say... I would say it's already happening, really. And I mean, yeah. I, I, I've done. The, I've definitely done this in probably the last couple of years, where I've, I've published a blog post, and I'm not particularly happy with it. But I feel like I've got to produce something. Um, and then looking back, you think, "Ah, oh, what a waste of time that was." <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. To be fair, you it's could insane. look back on several things and go, "Wow, what was I thinking?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, a really good friend of mine uh, said recently, um, a, a, the, one of the best signs of progress is when you look back three months and you, you, you're constantly amazed at how stupid you were three months right? ago. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> or, you know, like you'll get the um, Facebook in uh, it, like a year ago or so, right now I'm getting the seven years ago. Oh, when the moments. Talk, yeah. We yeah. still talked in third person on Facebook. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> Every day I read that and I think, this is terrible. It's, it is awful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if we were to go forward two or three years, what do you think we'll look back and comment on what we are doing now? I think it's, I mean, to go what, we're, what we were just saying, it's going to be, wow, I can't believe we produced that much crappy content and we were going, you know, we were just in the rat race and we weren't really thinking. I think it's going to, longer form content's going to continue to be rewarded. Um, we're going to be finding ways to, to get better at generating leads through our content and converting those leads. And so I think, you know, three or four years from now, we're going to look back and go, that's embarrassing. I can't believe we did that. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, do you think writing is a dying art? Do you, do you ever see a, a day where we invest in uh, more video and audio content, um, and where we where we phase out writing altogether, or do you think it's always going to be a staple diet of, of marketing? <clears throat> um, <laughs> as an author, <laughs> I would like to say that it well, better too. not die out. <laughs> Uh, but I do think, you know, more visual content um, has to increase because almost three three quarters of human beings are visual learners. So that has to increase. Um, you know, the, the podcasting, we've seen a huge spike in podcasting this year. So I think that will continue to increase. Um, and so, of course, that means that writing or text-based content will will decline but I don't think it'll ever I hope it never goes away <laughs> I think uh yeah I think what's going to happen is the the cream rises to the top and people will just sort of give up writing mediocre um right posts and right. Just do well we else. hope one would hope right yeah one would hope and one would hope that um we're we're in the the, the first um league not the not the second but uh <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> what? Jeannie, <I hope so. laughs> what, what are you working on right now? And obviously, um, you were talking about um, like topical content, like Star Wars and that kind of stuff. You're probably working on trends and predictions for um, for 2016. Is there any sort of sneak peeks you can you can give us? What sort of insight uh, can you share? Um, 
two things, measurement, measurement, measurement. Um, I sound like a broken record, but it's true because I don't, the industry is nowhere near where it needs to be in terms of metrics. And the other thing that I'm personally going to be digging into next year is semantic search. Okay. So how does that affect content development and, you know, ha- helping new audiences find you? Is this because voice search is on the increase? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, here's a prediction for you, Jeannie. I think we're going to see a comeback from print in 2016. Do you? I do. I really do. And Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, like you, I run a, a digital marketing company and all the rest of it. But um, I really do. And we've seen, we've seen the likes of um, Uber. Airbnb, Uh Red Bull, they're all producing printed um, media. And the reason I think it's going to make a comeback is I actually like getting things through the post because it's it's kind of a novel thing. But but (laughs) the the biggest thing is the mindset um, of um, of content. I mean, you've never you've never settled down with a, a cup of coffee with the intention of reading a book for nine seconds, right? You know, right, it, you've, right. You've got, some, you've got somebody's attention for it for a little bit longer, which um, going back to the whole author thing, that's, I guess that's good news uh, for us. But, um, but yeah, I, th- I think, I think that's going to come back next year. Um, so, so what do you think about that? I love that <laughs> prediction. I hope you're right. <laughs> but you know, it, you know, it, if Uber and Airbnb and these these new um, so-called disruptive brands are investing in print, that that might be a, a signal that um, you know it's still got a place in in the industry, though, right? I do agree with that, and i I think the reason those brands are successful with it is because they have a captive audience. So you know, Uber has it in their cars. Um, I personally can't read in a car because I will, unless you want me to to vomit all over your car, but. Um, <laughs> You know, for most people, it, it's a captive audience. It's sort of like the airline magazines. You know, you have a captive audience. Yep. So if, you, if brands can figure out a way to create, a, you know, for lack of a better term, a magazine, a print magazine um, that creates that captive audience, why not? I mean, sitting on my desk right here is um, SIFT, S-I-F-T, which is the King Arthur flower publication. Mm-hmm. They're fl- they make flour for baking. It's like not super sexy or interesting but the and the magazine is ridiculously expensive it's $13 uh, but I paid it because I wanted to see and it has great recipes and the visuals are absolutely stunning and they've spent some you know spent some significant money on it yeah. it comes out every quarter and you can be darn I will you can rest assured I will spend my $13 every quarter to buy it yeah but it's super super niche isn't it you know yes. it's not super yeah you know and I, I think uh, we're starting to see that online and offline, where if you can really be the expert in a in a micro niche, then you know is is that probably is that one of the sort of silver bullets of getting traction with a, a genuine audience? I think it is because I mean, think about it from a business perspective. If you try to be all things to all people, you don't grow and scale. But if you really drill down into something specific, that's when you start to have scalability and growth and all those kinds of things. Outside of journalism, PR, digital marketing, um, where, where do you find inspiration, Jeannie? And, and who else is, uh, would you consider a good sort of communicator or, or um, storyteller? Well, I'm not answering that question because it's like asking me my favorite child. I'm not going to tell you my favorite child. <laughs> that was my next question. <laughs> that is just rude. <laughs> 
you know what I'm spending a lot of my time on is we launched an online course in the middle of November. And so I'm spending a lot of time studying the digital marketers. There are some that I think do it really, really well. And the majority that are really unethical and gross. Um, so I'm studying a lot of that and I'm taking some online courses and I'm studying the email marketing and how they, they approach things um, so that I can increase and scale that program for our community next year. Oh, okay. And what's the number one first sign of an unethical, gross digital marketer? Oh, you know, you see stuff where you're just, <laughs> You know, you go, you waver between as a marketer, you know, it's unethical and it's disgusting and it's snake oil salesman or used car salesman, but it works. And so then you wonder what the heck they have in there that's working so well. So it's sort of that dissecting and taking out the gross pieces. And then, you know, the, the pieces, the human psychology piece of it, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's really it's really annoying, actually, isn't it? Yes. Um, but it's yeah. It seems to be. It's like it's like having a superpower and choosing to use it for evil. <laughs> exactly <laughs> like that. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> and now we have the Avengers. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on, uh, on the Avengers. I love the Avengers. Me too. <laughs> Okay. All right, so we've talked about Star Wars, we've talked about the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, we even got Back to the Future in there. We just need... <laughs> read, right? Yeah. From, from my perspective, I just need to um, jam in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I'm done. That's that's it. That's all. Well, I'm in Chicago, so there you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is there a Sausage King of Chicago? Is that real? I think when the movie was made, it was real. Yeah. Abe Froman. Abe Froman, the Sausage I King of Chicago. I remember that. That's awesome. <laughs> Do you know what, Jeannie? I could talk to you all day, but I think... I know, and that... I could listen to your accent all day, so I'd be good. But on that note, I think that is the perfect place to end what I hope is only our first conversation. But I, I, would, <laughs> I want to give you the last word. Um, oh, okay. So um, tell us uh, where people can find more about you, and is there anything you would like to draw our audience's attention to or leave us with? Uh, well, spinsucks.com. Spinsucks.com is the easiest place because everything's there, all our social networks and everything. Um, something I'd like to leave you with. Boy, that's really putting me on the spot. Um, <clears throat> listen to more podcasts and come check out guest bloggers on Spinsucks because you might see a familiar name. Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Well, Jeannie, I can't thank you enough for your time today. It was an absolute delight talking to you, so thanks very much. Absolutely my pleasure. It's so fun to talk to you. <laughs> awesome. So that's it for another week, guys. Join me again next week. Thanks a lot. So that's it for another week. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you did, please feel free to subscribe or even check out our Getting Goosebumps marketing book available in Amazon. If you have any specific questions, you can also tweet us using the hashtag AskPH. I'd be delighted to answer your questions. Until next week, goodbye.